Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Coach Red, where we bring you all the news, stories, takes, and opinions about your favorite teams from the Pacific North Fresh, from the good to the bad to the Mariners. The sweet, sweet Mariners, baby. Jerry Dupota out there making deals. John Stanton spending money today. Yes, sir. Getting Bolton from the... Pittsburgh Pirates for cash considerations. That money that he has been just saving and winning operating profit is burning a hole in his pocket. So he went and got a reliever with 633 IRA this year. Let's go, baby. Offseason done. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> there can be more than one move. Let's I, be honest. I, I understand that. But we're not going to be talking about that today. Sorry for being out last week, fighting a bad cold, as you can still hear. But we are going to be talking Hawks, 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 Hawks in this episode. But before we get into that, why don't I tell you a little bit about us? If you're looking for a guy that is doing the homework, is scouring the streets and Constantly making things better. Maybe a guy like John Schneider making a big trade right before the trade deadline. Maybe you're looking for a guy like me, your boy, Coach Red. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Coach Red, on Instagram at the Real underscore Coach Red, and TikTok at the Real Coach Red. Also, find us over on YouTube. Search Kicking It with Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. And if you're looking for a guy who has some great production at times, but when he gets frustrated, you can't hide you can't hide it at all. Kind of like DK Metcalf. If you like someone like that, maybe you'd like Kane. Yes, I am Kane. I am hot headed at times, but you can find me on Twitter at Kane twenty four zero six on YouTube at Kane zero six TikTok and Kick Kane zero six twenty four. Also. Follow the show's socials, Twitter and Insta, at Coach Red Pod. Follow us, follow us, follow us. Do it, freaking do it. I nailed it. See, there's the hotheadedness that we've already seen. That was almost as big as DK's celebration on the block on JSN's game winning touchdown. Doesn't matter. Out, dude. This it. is the beginning of the episode. It's got to be a slow build. Nailed on, it. Man. You got to build it up, build up the suspense. All right. So we've got two games to break down, missed last week. So we're going to start off with the game against the Arizona Cardinals. This was a dub, getting back on the right side of it for the Seahawks. That's uh, a win, 20-10. to 10. No DK Metcalf in this game, out with injuries. First game he's missed in his entire career. And also, first game missed for Zach Charbonnet, or Charbonnet. And that really left it, you could see in the lines, the only other person besides uh, Kenneth Walker to get a rushing attempt was Geno Smith. So with TJ Dallas is really your only other back. And I think he was a little dinged up going into the week too. So I think they brought up Sir Roderick Thompson off the practice squad for the game. But um, it was a game that, the Seahawks did what they were supposed to do against the team that was struggling. Buda Baker coming off injured reserve, which was big. Offense looked sputtery 
at times, which we've seen a little too much regularity of. But what I really want to talk about is defense. The defense was big. They gave up under 300 yards, only 146 yards in the passing game and 127 yards in the running game. So, you know, clocking in at about uh, 273 exactly, yards given up. That's a pretty good day at the office. Yeah, uh, they kind of stuffed the Cardinals' rookie running back a lot. I think he only had one big break throughout the entire game. The biggest one was Dobbs on the 25-yard quarterback keeper for the touch. Yeah, so, you know, secondary, making tackles, linebackers, meeting them at the line. You kind of love to see it. Well, the other thing that you like to see is Kenneth Walker, although he did not reach the end zone for like the seventh game in a row, he did get his first 100-yard rushing game of the season. Uh, it took him 26 carries to do it. Just a battering ram all day and went off for 105 yards. He's such a workhorse, and it's phenomenal. Like he he shows signs of like Marshawn Lynch in some instances, and like Chris Carson with how like agile he was, and with his like toes and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just kind of see a good mixture of that with Kenneth Walker, and he's sprinkling a little Thomas Rawls. <laughs> yeah, sprinkle it, sprinkle it in, sprinkle a little Thomas Rawls. Little power of Eddie Lacey. Uh, I know it was just Halloween <laughs> making a witch's brew of K9. <laughs> but man, he just week in and week out, the dude just amazes me. Yeah, he's pretty solid. But the story of this game, you said it earlier. Why don't you say it again? It was the game of the rookies. Uh Jake Bobo and JSN both having really good days. Uh, JSN was with DK un- out. Yeah, and JSN was unguardable in that first half. It seemed like, and then he just kind of disappeared and faded out into the background. But also, Jake Bobo, man, what a catch! Oh my god! And it was I, JSN's first touchdown catch of his NFL career. Yeah, it, oh, that's true. That was it was mm-hmm. it was like a twenty like eight yard. Yeah, right at the seam. Uh, yeah. It was really funny because earlier in the week I had sent uh, something I found on Twitter over to Lefty. You know the little GIF video of Drake with the guy at the computer Sorry, showing something on the computer and the guy's like, whoa, yeah, of course. It was uh, like someone said, showing Pete Carroll videotape of JSN in college, not just catching bubble screens. And then, you know, he runs one up the seam and WTFO, no one was in the vicinity at all. Yeah, he walked in. He literally walked in. That was in. an easy touchdown. Jake Bobo had like three looks and it was like his toe barely touched in bounds. And then the rest of his foot went on the white immediately. And Pete Carroll did an early challenge, which I thought was ill-advised because it didn't really gain much for the Seahawks, but then he challenges this one, which listen to the announcers and kind of seeing the tape myself because it was ruled not a catch on the field. You know, yeah. there had to be enough video evidence and the side of the foot going on the white was real close to when that toe touched. And there was, it was tough to tell if that toe, there was some green in between, but guess what? If there's green in between, you got to be lean and get it to Bobo Machine for the TD. 
dude. That was like, like he's another guy that's just continuing to stand out. And uh, man, can he jump? That dude is crazy out there. I just I love to see it. it acrobatic catch. You'd like to see that with rookies. It, it, it's hard to get good footwork in the NFL, especially in your rookie season like that. So it, it's it's super spectacular to see. Yeah, and the defense, going back to the defense, did a pretty solid job. I mean, you're looking at a Cardinals team that has Hollywood Brown, Ertz, and Josh Dobbs slinging the rock. The defensive backs did what they were supposed to do. Um this entire game, a lot of good, heavily passed defendants and, you know, got made Dobbs uncomfortable most of the game. Tallied up four sacks. Darrell Taylor clocking in with one and a half. Jordan Brooks coming in with a half sack. And Boye Mafe, who's been on a streak, uh, this will be game four in a row where he gets a full sack. So Boye yes. Mafe, it seems like one rep a game. The dude just is unblockable. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's just kind of breaking around out. the edge. He's a little bit more bendy this year compared to last year. I think that's huge. You know, getting, it, it, taking those angles and getting that bend is been something that is a vast improvement for Mafia because he's still strong as an ox. Yeah, and I, I want to throw this in there. I started a a Madden franchise in Madden 24 with the Seahawks, and Boya Mafia is one of my best rushers. He has the most sacks on the team. The well, dude he has the most sacks on this team. He is an absolute animal. I think he's breaking out, and I think we're going to continue to see him develop, be, being very, very good at rushing the quarterback. I really think that he's going to have a huge breakout game in the next couple of weeks. The last thing I want to touch on before we get to player of this game was this is a game that the Seahawks won because they had more talent. But something that I'm not liking is you're seeing – them turn the ball over. So you had three total turnovers in this game. Gino had a strip sack fumble. He threw a interception. And also DJ Dallas fumbled on a punt return. Man, that interception was just such a dog shit throw, too. Threw it right to him. It- You've seen that a little bit more with Gino, and it's tough, especially, I mean, uh, the week before, he threw the interception when targeting DK, where DK kind of slipped and he was a little banged up, which you can't really fault. And then the cornerback, Cam Taylor Britt, made an amazing play. But it seems like he's getting back to forcing the ball a little bit more. He's still, he's still, you know, positive touchdown to interception ratio. But it's a little unsettling because he took such good care of the ball, especially early last year when the Seahawks were rolling. And the Seahawks are winning their games right now. But – I would like to see those interceptions trickle down. And when we get into the next game, there's bad luck that's that's going to be involved. That's that will happen. But yeah, some of these exactly. avoidable ones that go right to a defender, we need to get that cut out. All right, Kane, who is your player of the game from the Cardinals game? From the Cardinals game, do I do I pick one or are we doing? No, you pick one. Okay, but it's not players of the game. I I want to name my player of the game: the Seattle Seahawks defense. It's not a player. That's that's a unit. Okay, fine. Uh, Jake Bobo, because I knew you were gonna pick him. That's why I'm picking him. That's fine. 
But Jake Bobo had a fantastic game. It was one where he showed more of his talents out there and why they kind of, you know, he's the he's the guy that kind of burst onto the scene it, during uh, training camp and everything. And the way he's progressed, you love to see it week in, week out. The dude's being on the field and making a difference uh, most weeks. So, and also that touchdown was just so ridiculous and it put him in the lead. The one thing that I wanted to say is uh, it was later in the game to set up, I believe a field goal. Um, JSN catches the screen and they needed five. It was like third and five and JSN ends up getting like six, seven yards. Jake Bobo totally erased a corner, just removed him from the play. And the crazy thing in this, because he was filling in for DK Metcalf and was playing that DK Metcalf role, he outpaced Tyler Lockett in this game. Tyler Lockett was on the field for 77% of the offensive snaps, and Jake Bobo was on the field for 80%. Because he's an elite blocker at the wide receiver position. Yeah. He's elite. Yeah, I've seen him him throw out some nasty blocks. I really have. And just, man... He amazes me when he steps on the field, dude. Love to see it. He's he's such a big man. Goodness gracious. Coach Red, who's your player of the game? Jordan Brooks was my player of the game. He paced the Seahawks in tackles with nine. He had seven solos, which is a huge number to have. Three tackles for loss, a half sack, and even defended a pass. Jordan Brooks... It is a contract year for him because Seahawks did not pick up the fifth-year option, and homie is looking to get paid because he is balling out coming off the ACL tear late last year, a little bit ahead of schedule being available for week one. Jordan Brooks comboed back with Bobby Wagner. This looks like they did two years ago in Bobby's year before he went to the Rams, but Jordan Brooks is flying he's making plays in the backfield he's showing what he can do a little bit in coverage he's breaking up passes he's getting in the backfield i mean this was probably jordan one of jordan brooks's better games in the nfl yeah i agree all right let's go over to the browns game that happened this last weekend another w 24 to 20 over cleveland And before we get into too many stats and stuff like that, okay, you look at this. The Seahawks defense has been steadily improving. They were – they've been giving up yards but not giving up points all year. And you were seeing similar things with the Browns. The Browns were shutting down big-time offenses. And at the end of the first quarter, there were 24 points scored. Seahawks had 17 and the Browns had seven. I was like, I did not expect this game. I expected the defense show. Well, guess what? They did in the middle. They did in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll start with the guy we typically start with, the quarterback, Geno Smith, uh, 254 yards through the air, uh, two touchdown passes in this one, one to JSN and one to Tyler Lockett. But he did have two picks. One was not a great one. The other one, we talked about the bad luck earlier in the episode. Maurice Hurst tips the ball at the line of scrimmage and then tracks it down three yards downfield. Like yeah. a defensive uh, run-stuffing defensive tackle batting the ball down to himself is not a very common occurrence in the NFL. So right. it's a little bad luck there. The one thing I will say about the offense that was a little frustrating is they were getting – 
good efficiency out of the run game. They had 17 total rushes for 114 yards. That's 6.7 average. And that I said that's even with the ill-fated sweep to Eskridge that went for negative five yards. But when you look at it, so the week before, Kenneth Walker had 29 carries himself, and they rushed for, and he rushed for 105. Your complement of backs that ran in this game touched the ball 17 times and had nine more yards. Run the ball. Yes. And let me tell you what, dude, Charbonneau. Is, that, is it Charbonneau or Charbonnet? Charbonnet. Charbonnet. That dude runs with just, just he's got a motor, dude. Vigor. He runs through dudes. Dude, why are you trying to uh, discount another uh, Seattle rusher here? Jake Bobo gets a rushing <laughs> touchdown. He, here's a crazy stat. Go ahead and name me all rookie wide receivers this year that have a rushing and receiving touchdown. Jake Bobo. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all. it. That's it. But yeah, that's great. But like I said, Charbonnet, <laughs> Charbonnet, that dude just runs through people. It's such a sight to see. Let me see him on angry runs every week. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Um, my key for the offense on this one is um, DK Metcalf's game back from being injured. And I said, uh, Gino was off tempo with DK. I think he finished with four or five catches, but on 14 targets. But I said he was locked in on Lockett. I think Lockett clocked in with eight receptions on nine targets. So as per use, uh, Big plays coming from Tyler Lockett, especially with the early touchdown. But it just seemed like him and DK were a little bit off. But it didn't discourage DK because he, as I said at the very top, was the key blocker on the screen at, oh, yeah. the, at the end of the game to JSN. Yeah, he – I can't believe it fooled them that hard. Like, that dude really broke so late off the block too. Like – yeah. He was already two or three steps away from him. Oh, it, yeah. it's, it's cool to see. We got, hey, touchdown, baby. Love to see it. Touchdown in the throwbacks. Those throwbacks were crispy. Oh, they were so clean. Oh, man. What I would give to get a throwback Kenneth Walker jersey. You only have to give up like a couple hundred bucks. It's true. <laughs> Maybe I'll talk. That's nah. all you have to get. That's my mom already get. got me a Christmas uh, present. A couple so. hundred bucks. You know, uh, all right, so let's uh flip over to the defense a little bit. The first thing I want to say is, uh, PJ Walker, you have been reeked. I, I wanted to say it so bad. You have been reeked. Reeked yes, you have his first pick of the season, and in a wacky rule that they explain. So he comes up with the interception, uh, and Joku comes in. And hits the ball, he might have touched the helmet ever so slightly and knocks the ball loose and takes the ball. But apparently, when you're the intercepting player, if someone, if you are on the ground, being touched down includes touching the ball right after an interception. I didn't know that. I thought that Njoku had just gotten the Browns a first down. 
Hey, you you teach an old dog new tricks for once in a while. We're NFL rules, baby. Love to see it. It was great. I love seeing him do it. The footwork was amazing. Eyes on the ball. Love to see it. What I will say, though, is hot damn. If the Seahawks aren't a team that can't defend the screen and can't run the screen, that's probably why they're so bad at it, because they can't run it in the week leading up, because the screen game ate them up. Kareem Hunt, David Joku, even Jerome Ford was stepping in there, and Damian Pierce. All these are, uh, what is it? Not, Not Damian Pierce. Pierce. Pierre Strong. Pierre yes. Strong. Yes. Um, you know, these guys were breaking huge screens. Yes, they were. The it was not great. To, it, it was all up. It seemed like it was all up the seam. Just it's all there. That's where it took place. And the Seahawks have been abysmal at covering the seam the entire time I've watched them, which is 10 plus years. So, you know, some things never change. Yeah. And the Seahawks clocked in. I mean, there were some plays. There was one play where Kareem Hunt got the screen. Frank Clark comes and just stonewalls him, gets past him, and just misses getting a hand on it. And that was Kareem Hunt's big, like, 25-yard screen pass game. But it is what it is. But I will say, Boye Mafe still coming around strong, gets a sack in his fifth consecutive game, yes. which was big. And Jordan Brooks has another big game. Finishes with 10 tackles, one sack, two quarterback hits. But I think the one thing that really impressed me was Boye Mafe had four hits on the quarterback. One of those is the sack. Like he, like we said earlier when talking about the Cardinals game, Boye Mafe is coming on so strong in year two. And it's a needed piece, especially with this being the week that Chinny Nwosu is out for the rest of the season with the pec injury. Right. Right. You bring Frank Clark back. That's fine and dandy. He was on the streets, looked a little rusty, be it not not being on field for a couple weeks, but you expect him to step up as the year progresses. But Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor are going to be your two key rushers. Throw in Frank Clark, throw in Hall, Derek Hall as well. Those are going to be your key guys. But then you're going to get creative. Jamal Adams is back and healthy. Being able to blitz the quarterback Spoon when he's in yeah, coverage. Big congrats to Spoon big, being yeah. an NFC Defensive Player of the Month for month two. Let's go. Love to see it. And he did Little Spoon. He, he had some decent plays in this game, but it was not, not a big highlight or stat sheet filler game for him. No. The one thing I want to jump back to the Cardinals game, the hit that Devin Witherspoon put on Roundell Moore was absolutely the most filthy thing I have almost ever seen because nothing will ever get over a Cam Chancellor hit. I think that was probably the most violent quarter or <laughs> corner back tackle that I've seen in a while. And to see that by a rookie. Oh my God. The one thing that I loved on the buildup, you know, he's tough as nails. We, we talked about this ad nauseum, you know, in the lead up when we were doing mock drafts, like, this was a guy that was physical, ball hawk, just good football IQ, but really likes to mix it up and put a bunch of hits on people in college, and he's still doing it in the NFL. It was, it was good to see. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, back to the Browns. Yep, uh, back to the Browns. The one thing that I thought 
that is bucking the trend of what typically happens with the Seahawks. It seems like they're starting a little bit faster in games because usually the they don't and they get better as the game goes on. But they score 17 points in the first quarter, no points in the second, are abysmal in the third quarter. And I think by the time you rolled around to the last couple of drives in the fourth quarter, they'd only had 27 yards of offense in the second half. And you get an interception by Love late in the game to set up the game-winning drive on the screen pass JSN right there at the end with about 30 seconds left. And that's the resiliency of the Seahawks. And it's tough because they're not – I wanted a little bit more separation in the Cardinals game. The Cardinals are not a good team. You let people hang around and they'll beat you. And the Browns are a very good team right now. And they were they playing very well. Don't have Deshaun Watson. Yeah. They don't have, they They've have been PJ playing Walker. very good with PJ Walker. They beat, yeah. they beat the Niners with PJ Walker. Sean Watson throws like four passes against the Colts. And PJ Walker comes in, wins the game. He had back-to-back game-winning drives and was, prepared to ice out the clock but with the third and five going to throw a little pass and uh jamal adams gets gets a little uh he gets a header jordan morris in him jordan morris scoring a late uh goal against the houston or no dallas dallas fc late the other day in the mls playoffs but very goes off him that ball went 15 yards downfield Julian Love. Julian Love. Julian Love. uh, You know, you might have the Packers on the mind. I don't know. I was talking to someone about how he's not very good. He's not. But Julian Love, on the other hand, is pretty decent. So, he did come away at the interception. Huge turnover for the Hawks. And then I believe they stormed down the field and scored. Yep. All right, Kane, who's your player – of the game. Jamal Adams is my player of the game. Uh, dude was kind of everywhere. You can see he was kind of feeling that hybrid safety vibe a little bit. He was down the field. He was putting pressure on the O-line. Um, and not to mention the, the header to Julian Love at the end of the game to seal the deal and put the Hawks in terrific position to win the game. So Jamal Adams is my player of the game. Coach Red, what about you? Not good in there yet. I, I was going to go with Jamal, but I can I can switch up. The one thing is, is that you love with Jamal Adams is his ability to make splash plays. And this is a play where he's rushing the quarterback, realizes he isn't going to get there, and actually does move his head to get head on ball. Because even if that goes straight to the ground, the Seahawks are – getting a punt and still getting an opportunity to score to go win the game. Granted, you're getting a lot better field position off that. But in Jamal Adams' first year where it was his healthy year, sacks and splash plays, big hits, that's what Jamal Adams brings. And I think it's a real big thing for this defense because the defense is relatively young. You've got a little bit of age. You've got sprinkled veterans in on each level. You've got Quandre Diggs, you got Bobby Wagner, and you got Jay Reed on the defensive line. But around them, Jordan Brooks, rookie contract, Cameron Young, Boy A. Mafe, Daryl Taylor, rookie contracts. When you look at your two starting corners, rookie contracts. Yeah, you're Spoon slot. in the nickel, rookie contract. Yeah. So, 
to have those you you have that sprinkled in, but you get the sauce from the splash plays, and that's what Jamal Adams can bring. And this was really besides his big hit against the Giants before he got concussed in that game. This was his real first big splash play. Yes, yes, it was, and you know it did. Like you said, it put him in great position, and they stormed down the field and scored. And that's really you know the icing on the cake there, Coach Red. Who's yours? Go ahead and give me Tyler Lockett because yes, sir. Big time safety valve for Gino scores a touchdown early in this game and back in in the back the end zone, finds some space on a little bit of a scramble action. Tyler Lockett, you know, like I said, only one ball that was in his direction was not caught. And I don't even know if that was a catchable ball. I'm just going off the stat on that one. But when you look at it, Tyler Lockett is I don't think he's underrated anymore. Everyone keeps saying it, so he can't be it. Like Tyler Lockett is a great wide receiver in this league, and yes. he showed that again this last Sunday. Yes, yes, he did. All right, let's talk about the trade. John Snyder goes out and makes a move on Monday, goes and gets Leonard Williams, defensive tackle from the Giants, this is a former first-round pick by the Jets back in 2015. He was selected sixth overall. He's in the last couple of years. He's consistently been a top ten sack and pressure guy from the interior. The stats are a little bit down this year, uh, especially when it comes to getting after the quarterback. He only has one and a half sacks right now, but what I will say is the Giants haven't been very good, so people have been running the ball especially late in games against him. So his opportunities to go get the quarterback have been down. And also to, to kind of cap it off, like they're so miserable. Nobody's having fun. Like they, the game against the Seahawks, they Daniel Jones stepped on it, like took his first step back and he's sworn all game. And it ha- it's happened to him all year. And so, you know, with this, that Giants team, they're so deflated and everything, you know, paid Daniel Jones a lot of money, and nobody's performing. So you get him out of that environment, get him to a winning team, and let this man cook. He's going to be good for this team. It's going to be a step up. Dude's 29 years old. You're getting a good veteran presence on that deep line now, and a dude who's still productive. Yeah, and the thing with this, there's a lot of talk that the Seahawks gave up too much. They gave up a second rounder next year and then a fifth rounder in the year after. But the reason the price tag was that high is because the Giants are eating the rest of his guaranteed money except for the veteran minimum. So we've talked about it, about windows. And when you see your window, especially in the NFL, you go after it. In the Seahawks, the NFC is weak. After this game, the Seahawks have one less loss than the 49ers. They're currently sitting as the number two seed in the NFC because they have the tiebreaker over the Lions, who are leading the North. The only team ahead of them is the Eagles, who have one loss on the year. So. When you look at this, you go and attack, you address an area that you went and picked up Jaron Reed in the offseason. He's playing phenomenally. But your yes. other guy, your true guys on the interior, Miles Adams, who's a little bit undersized, and Cameron Young, who's a straight up rookie. Let me talk about this. 
right now he has a 14% win rate on pass rush snaps from the defensive tackle position. That clocks him in like tied for like 10th or something like that. And that also has him tied with Jaron Reed, who has been extremely disruptive and has more stats on the line in terms of sacks than Williams has. So I think that inserting him on this team, potentially having times where you have him and Reed playing next to each other, that's going to be tough because the double team rate for Leonard Williams on the season is 48%, and Jaron Reed's getting double teamed 71% of the time. You're going to have to choose who you want to double team. So yeah. it's going to be awesome. And when you really look at it, defensive lines help you win championships. Sacking the quarterback is one of the best plays that you can have in the NFL because it puts you behind the sticks. It gets your quarterback a little bit frustrated. And when they're in constant dress, it's hard to get rhythm. And the NFL is a huge rhythm game. Right. And then, you know, you, you saw the the likes of two other guys getting traded, two younger guys getting traded at the deadline and for less, but they have, you know, the other teams aren't having to eat the contracts like the Giants are. But you saw Montez Sweat go to Chicago and for a second round. And yeah, then a top of the second round pick again for a guy that's in the last year of his deal. What? Yeah. And, and then let's not uh, talk about that anymore. I'll just rip on the Bears. I'll rip on Ryan Poles for a half hour. And then, you know, you have Chase Young coming to division and to the 49ers. And so I believe that was a third second round. and a third, third or no, third just round. a third. You know, you, you, they, it would have been nice to get, get us a Chase Young, but I'm also stoked about Leonard Williams. I think we talked about it, at least I did. I wouldn't have mind like throwing a late round pick over to the Jets for Carl Lawson because he's mm. buried on the depth chart. Just another piece. But then I think that that was basically off the table once they got Frank Clark because they're both yeah. guys that are a little bit older in the league and uh, you had some injury concerns with Lawson, but he's just buried on the depth chart because they drafted a lot of young guys to get after the quarterback in new york yeah and i i do think getting williams is gonna help with with next week it really is it's huge it's yeah just, let's talk uh, about this next week going to baltimore playing in the early window uh an area where the seahawks have played pretty well in recent years uh playing in that 10 a.m window wasn't so kind against the Bengals, but no. um you know, you're sitting here going to a team that is six and two. They played the full company in the games, haven't hit their bye week, but their two losses have been to the Gardner Minshew led Colts and to somehow Pittsburgh. Right. Pittsburgh and their anemic offense. So when you really look at it, they haven't faced a lot of teams that have good defenses you know the Colts yeah. can have their moments especially with the with some young, the players they have there but they have a lot of young talent. Pittsburgh but Pittsburgh definitely is and has been a stout defensive team that's what's kept them in a lot of games because Matt Canada's offense is terrible this Booty, year they only won because uh Kenny Pickett called an audible and hit George Pickens down the sideline it's the yeah. only reason they won <laughs> But when you look at the Seahawks are a rising defense. 
yes, they'll give up yards, but they are very good at keeping points off the board. You know, this is something where if you're a Seattle sports fan, over the course of two days, you're expecting to see two vastly different games. On Saturday, you've got UW and USC, where I think whoever has the ball last is going to win that game or the first person to 65 because the defenses haven't been great for either. The uh, Huskies have done better than USC has in defense. But then you turn it around on Sunday for the Hawks game. I expect that to be a defensive battle. It's going to be whatever offense can get on rhythm, whatever offense can find those pockets. And I'm hoping that the Seahawks can be a little bit more consistent throughout the game because except for that chance play with Jamal coming off there, the defense was tired. They were on the field a ton in the second half. You need to have some sustained drives, even if they do not result in points, because when you really look at, the Ravens team. They're a team designed around the run. They have guys that can catch the ball, but they're more yak guys, all of them, you know, except for Odell, but Odell didn't even get a catch in the last game. Zay Flowers has been catching the ball, but he's a yak guy. You've got Andrews, who's also a yak guy. and Rashad Bateman's a little bit more of a larger possession style, so they're not going to really stretch you down the field. I would expect the Seahawks to put a few more guys in the box or being able to play those versatile guys like Spoon and Jamal Adams where they can defend out of the box a little bit, but also be there for run support because that's where the Seahawks get killed is quarterbacks that can run. I I think they need to throw a spy on for the game. The spy Uh, is either going to be Jordan Brooks or Jamal Adams. Right. It's a a must. You have to because Lamar is – just as deadly with his legs, if not deadlier than throwing the ball. And and the one another thing is you got to kind of help with Mark Andrews. That's that's the big part. The thing that's crazy is most teams would have to put a safety, or you're just gonna keep your middle linebacker if you're not trying to get him in any pressure and just have him spy the whole game. That's an option that I've seen against Lamar. But most of the time, it's a safety getting into the box and he's the spy. Jordan Brooks is extremely athletic, is playing out of his mind. I could see another huge game from him this week being that spy and making those negative type yeah. plays by just balling out like he has the last couple of weeks. I agree. Well, gave you a little little primer, talked about a couple of games, gave you a little bit longer episode since we had last week off. But before you hop off your phone, or listening device, why don't you go ahead and follow us over on social media? You can find me, your boy, Coach Red, on Twitter at the Real Coach Red, on Instagram at the Real underscore Coach Red, TikTok at the Real Coach Red. Also, find the show over on YouTube. Search Kicking It with Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. Kane, where you at? You can find me on Twitter at Kane2406, on YouTube at Kane06. TikTok and Kick Kane0624. Also follow the show's socials on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Red Pod. Boss, boss, boss. Do it, freaking do it. And as always, stay fresh. Stay fresh, peeps. Peace.